You're listening to audio from Trinity West Seattle. For other resources, more information about this sermon series, or to connect with us, visit our website, www.trinityws.com. Well, uh, my name is David. I'm one of the elders here, and I get to share God's word with you uh, this, this morning. Let's pause a moment in prayer. God, we pray that you would be with us, transform our hearts by the gospel of grace, and we pray that we would live wisely, as you call us, to build our lives upon the foundation of Christ. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Last summer, our family uh, went to the beach, and uh, our youngest, Karis, she uh, wanted to build sandcastles, so we picked a spot, and we started to build our castle. We uh, put a moat around it uh, to protect it, put a, put a wall also uh, for the waves when it came in to protect those ca- you know, the, the, our precious castle. But over time, uh, the waves came crashing into the wall and ruined the castle. Almost everything uh, got ruined, things that we built. We would do it again. Uh, and built thicker walls and constructed our castle, making sure that the sand was packed even tighter. But the waves came, and it was total devastation again. For my daughter and me, this was a fun day. But imagine if someone's life is characterized by building temporary structures that they won't last because they're building on top of shaky foundation like sand. And Jesus, he calls this type of life a foolish life. Now, who would be foolish enough to construct a building on top of sand? Now, why would anyone knowingly do this? Well, Jesus, he helps us answer these questions and avoid a life of ruin and loss as he concludes the Sermon on the Mount today with this final warning and encouragement. Now, previously in the Sermon on the Mount, King Jesus warned his hearers that living according to his kingdom values under his authority requires that we enter through the narrow gate which leads to life rather than following the wide road which leads to destruction. A kingdom living as citizens of Jesus' upside-down kingdom will include persecution, and affliction on the narrow path. Now, apart from Jesus, we cannot and we will not choose to walk down the narrow path because it's hard and it's difficult. Yet, the rewards are real and lasting. King Jesus, he walked this narrow path. So Jesus confidently invites his disciples on this narrow path which leads to life. And now this is possible only by the power of the Holy Spirit working in us. Then Jesus went on to warn us about false prophets who are actually wolves in sheep's clothing. Now these false prophets lead followers of Jesus astray by twisting and perverting the truth of who Jesus is and what he said. So Jesus warns us to carefully look at the fruit of these false prophets in their character and their influence. 
Jesus says, don't believe their lies because their false teachings, if believed, will lead to judgment by God ultimately. Jesus continued to sound the alarm on false disciples who called Jesus as, as Lord and even do great things in the name of Jesus and associate themselves with him but are actually deceived into thinking that they had a real relationship with Jesus. You see, you can say all the right things and even do mighty works in the name of Jesus, but ultimately, false disciples will tragically hear the words from Jesus, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. Now, if true disciples are calling Jesus Lord, There should be evidence of Jesus' lordship in their lives. They will be doing the Father's will. So beware, Jesus says, of being false disciples. Now, the kingdom of heaven and those who belong to it may not be what it appears to be, but Jesus knows. The final warning Jesus gives us today is in this illustration of the two different foundations for building the rock and sand. Jesus vividly point, uh, he paints this picture of a wise man who built his house on a rock, and he likens him to a person who hears the words of Jesus and puts them into practice. Now, this is in contrast to the foolish man who built his house on sand, representing a person who hears the same words that the wise man hears, but he does not actually put them into practice. The foundation remains unseen. So we can't often know what is underneath until the storm comes. Now, at first, at first glance, these two houses look almost identical. They have the same type of siding on the exterior. The roofing material is similar. They have the same double-pane windows, and, and the entranceway almost seems indistinguishable. So the houses seemingly look identical, And they are subjected to the same natural forces, the rains, the floods, and the winds. The only difference is in what you can't see, which is the foundation that is underneath these houses. What you build on, the foundation, will determine how strong your structure will be and how long it will stand. I'll elaborate on the foundation a little bit later. But ultimately... Disciples of Jesus are called not just to be hearers of Jesus' words, but obedient doers of Jesus' words. We are called to represent Jesus' radical, upside-down kingdom through our words and our actions empowered by the Holy Spirit. Now, many people throughout history have admired the Sermon on the Mount as the moral and ethical greatest hits of Jesus' teachings, But it is not enough just to to read and admire the words of Jesus. We need to obey the words of Jesus and put them into practice. So let's explore the conclusion of the Sermon on the Mount by looking at, number one, the foolish person. Secondly, we'll look at the, the wise person. And thirdly, Jesus, the person with authority. Now, what would cause a person to be foolish enough to build a house on sand? Let's take a look at this foolish man who Jesus described as someone who hears his words but doesn't apply them in his life. 
Right? Why would the foolish man hear the words of Jesus but not apply them? Well, let's look at this foolish person. What are some of the characteristics of this foolish person? Well, number one, the foolish person has a superficial relationship with Jesus. Now, the foolish person uh, doesn't build his house on a firm foundation. He builds his house on sand. And this foolish person doesn't take Jesus' words seriously because he has a shallow and superficial relationship with Jesus. Now, the nature of the relationship we have with a person will determine how we respond to their requests. For example, if your spouse or a roommate or friend asked you to pick up a gallon of milk at the market, you would gladly do it. I guess most of us would. Right? But, but if, if a complete stranger came up to you and said to do the same thing, you'd be very hesitant. In fact, you'd be confused. You'd be like, well, I don't know you. Because you have a relationship with a spouse or a friend, you heed their requests. Now, the foolish person who has a, a superficial relationship with Jesus may be more concerned with what a good life may look like on the outside rather than building his life on his real relationship with Christ. This foolish person only takes the parts of Scripture that appeals to him and avoids the hard sayings of Jesus. For example, love your neighbors and pray for those who persecute you. Or, if anyone slaps you on the right cheek, turn to him the other also. The foolish person responds to Jesus' teaching and and says, No, thank you, Jesus. I don't like that. In fact, I'm not going to do that. He likes everything Jesus says that may give him the feeling of comfort and happiness and joy. He likes the image of God the Father as the God of love, the one who is gracious, the one who is merciful. He, He likes the fact that God is the forgiver of sin. But the foolish person doesn't like the consequences of sin in God's righteous judgment. He doesn't understand and appreciate that because God loves us, he disciplines us when we disobey. This foolish person calls Jesus Lord, Lord, and even calls him Savior, but it's only lip service. This person doesn't intend on obeying Jesus' words. He may want God's blessings and all the benefits of Christ's life, uh, Christ's life's death and resurrection, but he doesn't know or trust in Jesus. He doesn't want to surrender his life to King Jesus. Well, why don't the foolish apply Jesus' words in their life? It's possible that they don't have a genuine relationship with Jesus to begin with. And when we don't apply Jesus' words and we disregard his words, it is a symptom of a greater problem that we may not have a relationship with Jesus. And we've made this, this caricature or image of Jesus to be the way that we want him to be rather than knowing him for who he is. Now, how would you evaluate your relationship with Jesus We need to be honest with ourselves and consider if we are this foolish person who is building his house on sand. So, 
The foolish person has a shallow and superficial relationship with Jesus. What other characteristics does this foolish person have? Well, this foolish person is stubbornly independent. Let me explain. This foolish person was building his house on sand. I wonder how many of his family members and and friends pointed out such a folly of of a construction project. Like, I wonder how many of them came to him and said, I don't think that's a good idea for you to build your house on sand. It seems like this foolish guy doesn't listen to sound advice and good counsel. He, he doesn't pay attention to the rules that govern the construction of a house, the, the fundamentals of, of building a structure on a firm foundation was disregarded altogether. He doesn't believe in consulting with architects and engineers. He doesn't want any plans or specifications. Do you know anyone like this? This foolish person is a law unto themselves. Have any of you guys built a IKEA furniture right, without using the instruction or skipping steps? And you're saying, wow, this is easy. This is simple. I know what to do. Well, it's supposed to be some sort of rectangular drawer, but you end up with a triangular piece of furniture. Well, I don't know about you. I don't know how many times I reversed a piece and I tell myself, ah, I should have just followed the direction. Well, you see, when we disregard the instruction manual for building a piece of furniture, we get something useless. This is folly. The foolish person disregards Jesus' words and, and goes freestyle and independent. The foolish person says, I'll figure it out on my own. And this approach may work for a season, but ultimately... Jesus says, you are building a house of cards on shaky ground which will come to ruin. Now, in his or her opinion, the ideas as to how to live life are the best. They won't submit to King Jesus' authority and listen to his commands. He has nothing to learn from anybody. How foolish, Jesus says. See, the Bible says, a fool says in his heart, there is no God. Did you know that God, in his love for you and for me, he has placed people in our lives to remind us of the words of Jesus so that we may live wisely. Family and friends who give you godly counsel so that you will not continue to live foolishly. And it is foolish to think that we are right all the time and stubbornly refuse godly counsel from those around us, especially those who love us. So the foolish person, number one, is, has a superficial relationship with Jesus, is stubbornly independent, and thirdly, this foolish person is short-sighted and doesn't prepare for the future. See, while building this house without a foundation, this foolish guy never asked the question, what will happen in the future. He's not interested in what Jesus has to say. He doesn't take into account what catastrophes may come. He doesn't care to test whether the house will stand. Foolish person is short-sighted, doesn't prepare for the future because he doesn't believe in the future judgment day and denies there is eternity after this life. 
This life is all there is for this foolish person. What if I told you that there was eternity waiting for you and that what you do today will affect where you will be later? What if I told you the decisions you make now will affect the condition you will be in later, both in this life and also in eternity? The foolish man doesn't prepare for eternity, doesn't prepare for the future. He doesn't realize that one day in the future he will stand in front of Jesus to give an account of his life and the decisions that he's made. The one small example may be in financial planning. See, financial planning is something that requires a lot of thought and intentionality. Now, it seems harder to save money with the cost of living continuing to increase. But if you don't plan financially, you can find yourself in a bad spot. When possible, right, we should be putting away money into savings. Why? We save what we can for a rainy day, we say, for these emergencies of life and unexpected expenses. And when we don't plan at all, that's when we get into trouble and even financial ruin. Do you identify with any of the characteristics of this foolish person? We all can. We all have our moments. But the point of this illustration is not for us to remain in foolish living. Jesus, he's inviting us to live another way, a better way. And Jesus gives us this illustration so that we may be kingdom people who put the words of Jesus into action. And this is the wise person. Jesus tells us that the wise builder paid attention to the most important aspect of the house. It's foundation. The most crucial part of the building is actually underneath and unseen. Sometimes you don't know what foundation you've built on until you're tested. Now, what is the foundation? Why is the foundation so important? Well, building foundations have at least three major roles in the construction of structures. Well, it supports the the load of the entire building. It keeps the building standing when natural calamities like floods and winds come. It keeps ground moisture from seeping in and weakening the structure. You see, the foundation of a house supports and anchors and protects the building constructed on top of the foundation. Now, without a solid and firm foundation... It really doesn't matter how beautiful or how magnificent the structure that is built on top of is because the integrity of the building is dependent on the strength of a properly laid foundation beneath the surface. The tests and trials of life will surely come, and that is the reality of life. The unavoidable circumstances of life will hit us when we least expect it. And in view of that, nothing matters more than the foundation in which we build our lives on. Jesus says that everything we build in this world, our relationships in our marriage, family with kids, our friendships, our career, everything that we are relying upon, every preparation that we make, our whole view of life is going to be subjected to tests. 
How do you know what foundation you're building on? Well, it has to be tested. In life, the rains will come, the floods will rise, the winds will beat against you. We live in between the kingdom Jesus inaugurated and the absolute reign of the kingdom still to come, so we will experience the brokenness of life. The rains, floods, and the winds are when we experience loss and disappointment, something going wrong in your life, something on which you were banking on suddenly collapsing before your eyes. You may get, you may get let go of from your job, perhaps being betrayed by someone that you trusted. Maybe it's the doctor telling you that your spouse has six months to live because the cancer has spread all throughout his or her body. It's the heartbreaking situation when you hear that your child is diagnosed with leukemia and that without a bone marrow transplant, your baby will die. It's losing a family member in a tragic car accident. It's the allure of the world that comes beating against you, flooding your heart with temptation. It's the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life, worldliness and all its subtlety seeping in everywhere. It's messing up your value system and your view of Jesus gets tainted. You may be spiritually attacked by demonic forces where you are accused and condemned with lies from your past. The world of, the wind rather, of satanic attacks may continue to slam against you. How do you know what you are made of? How can you tell if you are trusting in Jesus or trusting in yourself? Without these trials and tests of life, you will never know what type of foundation you built your life on. Now, both of these houses were subjected to the same test, but the hope we have is that the wise man's house did not come to ruin because his house was built on the rock. The wise person lived out the words of Jesus he heard and actually put them into practice by the Spirit's power. Why does the wise man apply the words of Jesus to his life? What's different about the wise man? Well, he views Jesus as someone with authority. He has a relationship with Jesus. He's applied the words of Jesus and experienced not just the benefits of obedience, but an intimate relationship with Jesus. We actually get a fuller picture of this wise builder in a parallel passage uh, in the Gospel of Luke, in chapter 6, verse 48, it's what it says. This wise man is like a man building a house who dug deep and laid the foundation on rock. When a flood came, the torrent struck that house but could not shake it because it was well built. You see, the wise man digs deep below and lays the foundation on Jesus, the rock. The wise man dug deep in the ground to lay a foundation for his house, whereas the foolish man didn't even dig at all, and even worse, built on top of sand, carelessly and foolishly. So what is this rock? What is this foundation? Well, 1 Corinthians chapter 3.11 says, For no man can lay a foundation other than the one which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. 
Someone who lives his life with Jesus as the rock foundation means that they base their life on the words of Jesus, the person of Jesus. The wise person hears the words of Jesus and puts them into practice by the Spirit's power. Why? Because the wise builder has a vibrant and growing intimate relationship with Jesus. Now, in contrast to the foolish man who has a shallow relationship with Jesus or if any relationship at all. Jesus is describing this wise person who takes the word of God seriously, unlike the foolish man who picks and chooses what he likes for his own benefit. The wise person not only reads God's word, but meditates, thinking deeply and searching out God's word because the wise person wants to apply Jesus' words to his entire life. He wants to fit his life into the Bible's story rather than make the Bible fit into his lifestyle. Jesus simply tells us, if you love me, keep my commands. See, putting God's word into action is not this mechanical type of obedience, but it's grounded and motivated by our growing love for Jesus. And we need the help of the Holy Spirit to help us to obey. Now, how deep are you digging into God's Word to apply God's Word into your life? You can start today by confessing your need for Jesus. You can tell Him, God, I can't obey. I can't obey you. My will, from my sheer willpower, I don't want to obey. Well, you need the transforming power of the Holy Spirit to change your heart so that you want to, where he empowers you to obey his word. You see, the word of God calls everyone to repent and to receive the forgiveness of sin and put your faith in Jesus. Digging a little deeper, putting your trust in Jesus, the one who lived a perfect life which you could never live the one who died a sinner's death, which we actually deserved, and then he resurrected in glory for you and for me. Maybe you're a new believer. Maybe you're exploring Christianity. I want to encourage you to pick up a Bible. Take the Bible in front of you home and begin to read about the life of Jesus in the Gospel of Matthew, for example. Ask somebody, ask a Christian friend to explain to you the Gospel. Study the Word of God with them. For some of you, you've stopped digging into God's word. It's time to dig again. Come under the authority of Jesus' word. Reread maybe the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew chapters 5 through 7, and ask God's spirit to teach you, to lead you, to listen and obey the words of Jesus. Come under the authority of King Jesus and invite the Holy Spirit to transform your heart and your will to live out the words of Jesus by God's power. Do you see, the wise person digs deep, lays the foundation on Jesus who is the rock, but they also, they're humble and they are dependent on Jesus. A wise person is building everything on this foundation and he's depending on the foundation to hold up everything that he's building. The wise person's faith 
is in the foundation as he's building in contrast to the foolish person who trusts in himself. Laying a foundation on the rock who is Jesus is the starting point of our journey with God, but it shouldn't end there. The wise man who is humble and dependent on Jesus sings with the psalmist and says, unless the Lord builds a house, its builders labor in vain. The wise person is asking and praying to King Jesus, is this what you want me to build? The wise person recognizes unless God provides the strength and resources to build this house, he or she can't do it. You see, Jesus says, apart from me, you can do nothing. And when the wise person hears godly counsel, he takes it to heart in contrast to the foolish person who disregards any godly instructions. See, the wise person is characterized first as someone who digs deep and lays the foundation on Jesus the rock. Secondly, he's humble and dependent on Jesus. And lastly, the wise person has an eternal perspective. Having an eternal perspective means that because you have Jesus Christ as a solid foundation, there is hope of eternal life. Your life doesn't begin and end here on earth. And this hope will dictate how you will live today, how you will build today. You recognize that you are on the narrow path along with Jesus by your side. And, all, and although the times will be, uh, at times, it will be very unpopular and, and even difficult, you know that it is the path that leads to life and not to destruction. And yet, because you know that King Jesus is making all things new and that one day everything that is broken in this world will be restored and redeemed, you live with real hope and anticipation. And we can begin to experience God's healing and redemption even in this life. And although for now we only see in part on that day, we will see in whole his complete healing and redemption. And we can live with certain hope of this reality when we are already beginning to experience. See, it's worth noting that even when you build on the foundation of Jesus the rock, what material you use to build matters. You can build a house of cardboard, which will not last, or build your house with material that will withstand the elements of nature. What are you building your life that will have eternal significance? Now, every one of you is building something. You're building a family. When a husband and a wife loves when a husband loves his wife and, and both husband and wife are, are, are submitting themselves under Christ, when children are trained up in the knowledge of the Lord where you're discipling them, we're building friendships when, when friends are encouraging one another to grow in their faith to follow Jesus, when we're counseling one another in major life decisions and challenging each other to love Christ more. We're building a career, perhaps, or a business. When you're working in the marketplace as working for the Lord, it honors God. Where we're working with integrity and excellence, with grace and with a servant attitude. See, there's nothing wrong with building good things, but are they 
being built with an eternal perspective in mind. See, this is what the wise person does because they are considering and actively applying Jesus' words in every nook and cranny of their lives. The wise person builds on top of the solid foundation of Jesus, knowing that their house is a reflection of who they value the most, Jesus, their Lord, King, and Savior. It's a house built by Jesus' leading and His resourcing. It becomes an outpost of Jesus' kingdom where where it shows a glimpse of of Jesus' kingdom. And what we build in our lives represents Jesus' forever kingdom that has come and is coming. That is why we pray to God, your kingdom come and your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. See, we pray, your kingdom come, Lord Jesus, into our families, in our relationships. Your kingdom come over our city and into our neighborhoods. Your kingdom come into our schools and our workplaces. Your kingdom of peace come to the nation of Ukraine. See, the wise person builds on the solid rock of Jesus. They are dependent on Jesus in every aspect of their lives, and they build with an eternal perspective as Jesus' kingdom representatives. And anytime you are applying God's word in your life, you are building something that will last. Every act of obedience in applying Jesus' word brings glory to God and has eternal significance. But why should we build our lives on Jesus and obey Jesus' word? And this takes us to our last point. Jesus, the person with authority. In verses 28 and 29, it says, And when Jesus finished these sayings, the crowds were astonished at his teaching, for he was teaching them as one who had authority and not as their scribes. What makes Jesus unique and worthy of our allegiance and submission? Why should we obey his words and build our lives on Jesus? Well, we get some clues in the reaction of the crowds who heard the teaching of Jesus. The crowds were astonished, or in another translation, it says, they were dumbfounded because of the way he taught with such authority. Now, something was radically different about what Jesus said and how he said it. Now, the Jewish crowds that Jesus was teaching, they were used to their scribes and their religious leaders who were always citing and quoting authorities from their tradition, other great teachers, other great rabbis. Now, while the scribes, they were experts in the various interpretations of God's law, Jesus, on the other hand, spoke with confidence and certainty in what he taught as being absolute truth. Jesus wasn't offering just another interpretation of the Old Testament law or his opinion on how God's kingdom would be established here on earth. But Jesus spoke with absolute authority as a king or a lawmaker would. Jesus spoke with complete self-confidence on who would be the greatest in God's kingdom who would be blessed before God. Jesus spoke with assurance when he declared who would inherit the kingdom of heaven, who would receive mercy, and who would be fit to be called children of God. While scribes claimed no authority of their own, 
Jesus spoke by his own name and with his own authority. Six times in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus repeats the phrase, but I say to you, in correcting all of the twisted traditions of the Old Testament law which the scribes taught. Jesus was not merely a commentator, but was commanding, prohibiting, was promising by his own words. Jesus was inviting the crowds to build their lives on his words and to obey them and to build wisely. Jesus taught with an authority not witnessed in even of greatest teachers in history. Jesus was clearly demonstrating that he is king, Lord, Savior, and judge. He was bringing the kingdom of heaven as he preached. He was bringing the kingdom of heaven as he worked miracles in signs and wonders and was therefore claiming to be none other than the Messiah King that all of the Old Testament was anticipating. All the prophecies of the coming King, Savior, and Messiah were fulfilled in the person and ministry of Jesus. See, we can confidently build our lives on Jesus the rock because King, this King Jesus did not stay in his ivory tower and force us to obey him, but he came down from the splendor of heaven to be one of us and experience life that we live in all of its ups and downs. See, we can trust in every word Jesus commands us to obey and, and give our entire lives to him because Jesus himself experienced the ultimate storm of God's judgment on the cross to bear the punishment of sin that we deserved, proving that he loved us. You see, we can gladly submit and surrender our lives to Jesus who overcame death, sin, and Satan and who rules right now the right hand of God. So every disciple of Jesus is now sent to live out the values and priorities of, of Jesus' kingdom until Jesus comes to fully and completely establish his reign over everyone and over everything. Brothers and sisters, I encourage you today to build your life on the rock of Jesus and obey his words by the power of the Holy Spirit. This week, as you gather in your community groups, consider these questions in your life or in your family, if, if your life, rather, or in your family were represented as a house, then what would it look like? Secondly, in what ways can you identify with the foolish person who built his or her house on the sand? How can you dig deeper to lay the foundation of your life on Jesus? Let's pray. God, we thank you that upon the rock of Christ, we can build our lives. A rock that does not change, that does not shift, but a rock that we can bank on, that we can gladly give our lives to. So Lord, Holy Spirit, give us courage. Give us the gift of faith. Give us the gift of your repentance, Lord so we can give our lives wholly to you and in joy and in delight obey your words and live out your commands as your kingdom people. 
In Christ's name we pray. Amen. You've been listening to audio from Trinity West Seattle. For more information about our services or to connect with us, visit our website, www.trinityws.com. Thanks for listening. Thank you.